So I want to become a dog trader. Oh, yeah? But when I look, I just don't know who to join. Yeah. It's a sea of acronyms, and it appears to be unregulated. <laughs> I want to know my money is well spent with me joining a team of dynamic, ethical professionals who have the same goals as me. I also want to be taught using the most up-to-date, science-led data. So where do I go? You heard of Pat? It's a place to go to become the most knowledgeable, skilled, ethical, science-based dog training instructor you can be. It's also one of the few organisations good enough to be a member of the Animal Behaviour and Training Council. The Professional Association of Canine Trainers, PACT for short, is here to help you become the best accredited dog trainer you can be. PACT gonna help you reach your goals. PACT is the place you need to go. Oh, PACT if you love dogs like we do too. PACT we are indeed the place for you. PACT it's time to take that leap of faith. PACT delay no further while you wait. Come find us at packed-dogs.com. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about the dogs and barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about the dogs and barks from the bookshop till we're gone. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together. Barks from the bookshop, we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop. Hi! Howdy, howdy, doody, doody, doody. How are you feeling about us being back in people's ears and on our socials? I, I feel like it's been well received. Yes, um, had loads of nice messages from people. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I really, really like is the the core sort of gang of people that were listening before seem to still be out there. They've held on, and then and I know. And they're happy I mean, I've back. had I, I've had longer relationships with them than some of my friends that I've met in real life. So I'm <laughs> I'm amazed that they want to come back and listen to me prattle. Well, maybe they don't. Maybe I'm just the the added, you know, they have to deal with me. They're really coming for you and, and the Tash. <laughs> it's, it's an audio podcast. <laughs> I mean, I'll take it. I mean, a flat flattery of all kinds is greatly greatly received at my age. But, uh, you know, maybe the Tash gives me a certain audio quality to my voice. I don't maybe know. it's like maybe. a built-in muffler. A built-in muffler. <laughs> I did have a little a wee internet chat with uh, Greg today. Who? Oh yeah, who had, how was he doing? He'd missed that we were back, so he was he was thrilled to have accidentally found out oh. that we were back. Should have probably tipped him off because he's one of the, one of the OGs, one of our. He yeah, was, he's one of the OGs, and you know now we need to get on it because he was like gift king as well on the he was Facebook king. page. So I saw I, was it Snoop Dogg he put up? Yes, that was him. Yeah. yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. He's already back in it. He's he's warming himself up for it. But and Greg's got a puppy. And speaking of puppies, yeah, something's what? happened. I mean, I mean, let, let's just let's just um, let's just, again, we'll break the fourth wall down a little bit. It hasn't been that long since the last one we recorded, has it? Now I'm not sure when I'm putting this one out, 
but I saw you one day and then yeah. the next day I'm looking on my phone and yeah. bloody Nat's gone to blooming Wales and got a blooming puppy. I know. Sorry, mate. I didn't give you a heads up. There wasn't really much of a heads up to give, to be honest. I mean, I don't uh, require a heads up for all the things that you do in your life, but it would well, be it would be just yeah, polite. Yeah, but a puppy, <laughs> yeah, a puppy, puppy yes. you know, that's quite important. <laughs> um, but you have met her now. Yeah. Um, what did you think? Oh, she is an absolute little sweetie. <laughs> isn't she she is a little sweetie i think we got did we, did we get a, a good bit of her was she quite tired or um she just... was quite tired because yeah. it was very hot wasn't it, was it? Pretty hot, um yeah. i feel like uh corin got most of the the goodness of yeah. a bob yeah. uh mainly over her face <laughs> um i've got some good photos of that actually <laughs> <laughs> you know, share them with jay because um I've told him about it, but he hasn't he hasn't seen the full action. Corin looks um, so happy. I don't know who was happier, Bob or Corin. I know. I'm sure that there'll be lots of puppy spam after Friday because she's looking after yes. him, her, him, her, him, her. <laughs> she is called Bob. Yeah, I've had to say that sentence quite a lot this week. Um, so, yeah, it, I, I have a puppy. E- easy, easy life, hard life, shock to the system. It's been a while. All right, forgot how sharp puppy teeth are. Yeah, everyone and does. She she gets me here. Ooh. It's the most sensitive part. Like I, I'm pointing, like people know where I'm talking about. What what would you call that, Steve? Well, it's kind of the where you're. Uh, yeah, kind of where old ladies have their bingo wings, isn't it? Is that well, I it? do. I do have bingo wings. It's there, isn't it? But the, she's not any, biting them. Any fleshy part. Like they they tend to get hold of, don't they? It's like they're like yeah. heat seeking missiles for the bits that no one ever touches or goes near that you didn't realize yeah. you have so many nerve endings in until there's a little puppy attached to them. Exactly. <laughs> um, are, are you ready with the expletive button? Because I ha- this the last few days I don't think I've ever said oh you f- <laughs> so many times, and <laughs> and that's just at Jay. <laughs> <laughs> it just oh it just gets you oh. um so i'm now I, I i'm just walking around um dangling uh long socks in her face so that she uh bites them instead of my ankles redirect 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 indeed That's and i it. also another training tip i also walk rather slowly and if she looks like she's going to do it i stop so any of you that is also being savaged by a puppy out there, there we go. That's my top tips. <laughs> top tips. Um, what um what are your um not meaning to pry, but what are your sleeping arrangements? I'm I'm interested in this because I might have re rethunked my advice on um after seeing the wonderful Amber Batson who is also oh, who is also speaking at a, at a conference, know. but I might have rethunked my sort of advice on puppies and sleeping to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, so I was just interested in what what's going on there. Well, she is in bed with us. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, um, yeah, uh, she because she's been in a rescue. I mean, they've done a fantastic job with her, basically. Um, but I want her to have a nice, safe, secure attachment. So she's either being carried by us following us around Mm. i'm doing little bits of put her in her little pen and sort of pop around 
but um the two terriers have been great actually they've been been really good with her in the bed so far um and she finds it quite hot though so she what we've done is put a few books obviously also you don't want a puppy rolling off the bed I mean our bed's quite low to the ground but we've got wooden floor um so we've put some beds around so our whole bedroom is is literally a bed room nice Um, that sounds like the sort of thing I wanted when I was a kid yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) um and so if she does uh jump off or roll off she's straight onto a bed and actually last night she just went for a little wander and laid down on the bed out out of the covers so but but that's such a win isn't it because i don't think people kind of grasp how you build those absences up in these tiny yeah that's a win that is isn't it to be able to, yeah. to be able to feel confident enough and safe enough to venture out, or hot enough to venture yeah. out and, <laughs> yeah. and like and like seek somewhere else it's, that's a massive win. i know and also giving them the choice because i think uh sorry we're going off on a tangent here we were going to be quick but um <laughs> <laughs> um story of our lives um she the choice is two-way so uh you know, you need to do like little normal departures, like when we were at the field, you mm-hmm. know, popped her in, let fish out for a bit. It's not the end of the world that she's doing a bit of squinnying because I'm keeping an eye on her. She's not panicking. She's not trying to bite at the bars to get out. Um, it's just that I'd rather be with you. Mm-hmm. And um, but but today she's also chosen to just bog off up the garden mm. on her own, Yeah, which is great. I can see her. I know she's safe. And she's, I'm just watching her sort of sniff around. And then she suddenly goes, oh, yeah, that lady. And she comes bombing down the garden. It's it's great. And uh, it probably helps that she's got the other dogs for a bit of distraction as well. But, um, yeah, it's going all right so far. I had a really, really good chat with uh, Emma Judson. Um, oh, yeah. Hi, Ems. And um, we did a little chat for my um, complete puppy course, available at pat.com. Um, and uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we talked talked a lot about building up that absence and and little games that she's come up with. She's come up with some really cool little games actually for that. Um, for for like that, I was able to use. Um, she gave me permission to use some to give to our. Uh, some of our clients on the puppy course so it's really oh, good fab. but yeah it was a real really good great positive conversation about how that it's a natural process and it needs to be you know really nurtured in that natural way mm. and one of those again one of those total epiphany moments for me um where i learned something as well it's really, really really good so now i get to see it all happening live live yeah, yeah. well so we'll fun. see i mean yeah, I'd, I've set up a page for her, not for any sort of, you know, ego or publicity or anything, but it just worked so well with Drax's page to, to otherwise you end up with a phone full of videos and photos that you haven't got in any chronological order really and, you know, you can't ever find the one you want. So, um, yeah, it's all good. Might as well, you know, um, capture it while it's happening. Exactly. And, um Exactly. Yeah, we do. Exactly. Um, so, um, wh- back on topic. Why are we here? 
That's Why a, are we very, here? Very philosophical question. It is now, very philosophical. Why are we here? So, well, look, listen, we're recording quite late tonight, aren't we? It's now actually, it's gone 10 o'clock, which is way, I my tea. way past my bedtime. Um, I know, it's past my bedtime and I haven't had my dinner. But there's a reason for this, because we have just been talking to America. America. <laughs> um, we've, we've been talking to... Um, well, we've been honoured, absolutely honoured yeah. for the second time in our bucks from careers to talk to the wonderful Patricia McConnell. Patricia McConnell! Um, uh, I can't, like, every time I say that, I'm like, those words are actually coming out of my mouth. Yeah. And I'm not making out. Yeah, I kind of, it's weird because I kind of consider her now to be a friend. Um, yeah. I, I, I just, uh, yeah, a wonderful human being. I, I mean, I don't need to introduce, the, again, Introduction's not necessary for Patricia McConnell. No. If, if anyone has not heard of Patricia McConnell and has listened to this, I would advise you to go back and listen to our um, original interview with her, which I'm not sure yeah. what episode that was. I think it was one of the, one of the OGs. I can't like, remember. She was definitely six, very, very high up on the list of who we're going to try and get. I remember her yes. being a, an OG. I've I said mean, OG so many times today now. I need to stop saying it. <laughs> I mean, her books are been you know were instrumental are instrumental yeah they are um in especially what they were one of the first books i've ever ever read the other end of the leash yeah um well incredible and and uh we have got uh no we won't give any spoilers away but we have got a scoop as well haven't we a we really have scoop i um, like we didn't even ask for this scoop no Steve. no sometimes a scoop is handed to you i yeah. know we were stood outside the the ice cream shop and the <laughs> scoop was offered. It fell from the sky. So I, I know uh, Patricia is talking at our Connecting Communities Conference. She's coming uh, remotely from the mm-hmm. States, but we have got to get her over here um, for, yeah. for some shenanigans at some point, for sure. Definitely. Um, well, we need to sell more tickets for this conference so we yeah. can up the budget for the next conference yes so you heard it here first folks come on if you're still if you're still uh i'm in an in out there about get coming your 20 to the quid conference, out yeah get your 20 knickers out and put it down on something <laughs> amazing isn't it you know um <laughs> come and do it come on what are you waiting for so Why um us? i know i know everyone's going to enjoy this i enjoyed it yeah. it was absolutely incredible um you're welcome listeners and um <laughs> and we will see you next time yeah Thanks for coming. Okay. Patricia McConnell, everybody. for a big enthusiastic hello again (laughs) that was that was most of my energy expended now so it's still down here from now no not really because we are speaking to the lovely Patricia McConnell can you believe it Steve no I can't how are you Patricia oh I'm so happy to be here I'm great how are you too very good this is your your second appearance on Barks on the Bookshelf it is and I hope it's not the last 
I, I doubt it. I mean, we need to get you a little stamp, a sort of regular voucher collection of, of uh, appearances, oh, I yeah. think. Um, like a flyer thing. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Uh, if you get five uh, stamps, you can meet the Queen. <laughs> oh, I was going to say on the 10th stamp, you'll fly me over, right? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm We would love to do that. I'm in, I'm in. Ten you five. and Melissa. Yes, yeah, that'd be a party. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, right. Um, obviously, um, you are speaking at our conference, and we are so incredibly thrilled to have you on board. Um, just absolutely over excited and over the moon yeah. about that. So, thank you very thank much you. for that as thank well. You, thank you. Thank you. And the uh, the overarching theme of our conference, as you know, uh, Trisha is connecting communities so um we thought it'd be nice to start our little chat today we're talking about um well first of all when you started out in your animal training career what would i mean what was there a big community around was there was there a lot of people that you were sort of connecting with um at that time was it helpful what was going on Oh, yeah. You know, that's a great question. When I started out, I actually came from academia, mm. right? So I had studied, um, my, ma my major was zoology, minor in psychology, and I studied animal behavior. I focused on animal behavior. And, and so I was deep into academics, right? Deep into research, deep into academics. I go to animal behavior society conferences and listen to research about the black-footed ferret or the, you know, <laughs> boggle-eyed, you know, gupperfish. Um, and it was a wonderful thing because I learned so much about, about, um, about behavior that gave me perspective. And, and it, it made a huge difference. It, it, it actually is what motivated my first book, The Other End of the Leash, because so much of your studies when you're studying animal behavior are about primates because there's just there's so much research on them and it was literally at um at either a conference or a talk i was listening to when i was watching some chimpanzees um basically having sort of a hoop fight and thrashing a vine around that that i realized wait we act like chimps so often when we were working with our dog, you know, and I was in a dog training class and people would go, sit, 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 sit. And I'd think of like, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> all I could think about was, was this comparison between primates, like, you know, other apes, like chimps and bonobos and us and how much we're the same as dogs and how different we are from dogs. And so that, that sort of created that whole perspective. So talking about community, one of the things that I always um, wanted to support, which is part of why I love being a part of your conference, is this whole concept of broadening your community, of connecting the community. You know, a quick example, I'm reading a book right now. It's a brilliant book called An Immense World by Ed Young, science writer, who I kissed the ground the man walks on. I'm reading it as well. It's absolutely amazing. Oh, it? I'm not yes. in the gang. Uh, Hang on. I need to buy this book. I've got it. I've got it on audio book. And I oh, think have you? He, he reads it. It's fabulous. Okay. It's, um, and, you I'll know, part of, 
part of what's in it, I learned in animal in all my classes, and, and I'll explain that in a minute, but but it expands that knowledge. And so just here's an example. So this is a science writer who is basically write, writes a book about, about the immensity of the sensory world around us and how we can only perceive a tiny sliver of it. So there is no such thing as reality. There's our reality, but it's not a beetle's reality. It's certainly not our dog's reality. Um, it's not, I mean, one of my favorite, could I tell you a quick story that has yeah. nothing to do with dogs though? I of mean, course, yes, we could talk about this book the whole time, right? <laughs> <laughs> the reason I'm focusing on it is because it's another example of expanding the community and the value of it. So I'll tell you two quick stories related to that. One, my favorite story is when I was in school, I heard the hypothesis over and over and over again about why do zebras have stripes? Everybody, you know, you wonder, right? Why do they have stripes? And yeah. so, so there were two hypotheses. One was that it was good camouflage, that they sort of got in the tree area and it made them sort of fade away. The other was that stripes can be really confusing if animals are moving fast and it confused lions when they're preying upon them. So basically it was this anti-predator coloration and that was a hypothesis. And so, so there's an animal behaviorist talking to somebody else who studies animal patterns and sort of visual animal patterns and tells them these hypotheses and, and the person who studies patterns just sort of looks at them and says, but lions can't see the stripes. Mm. And it's like, <laughs> oh, from decades of hypotheses just got tossed out the window because of a connection between somebody, you know, between a connection between different fields. Um, the connection that, that Steve, you and I both adore is the one that Ed Young made with Alexander Horowitz. Why do our dogs' nostrils shape the way they are? Have yeah. you ever thought about it? They're not like ours. They're not little holes at the end, right? They have slits up the side. The slits up the side allow a dog to be able to both inhale and exhale simultaneously, which is just, yeah, right. Yeah. Which basically blows my mind so much that I can barely like say that without putting some kind of an expletive. <laughs> <you in. laughs> so, so those are, so this whole sense of, of, of um, connecting with between trainers from different perspectives. I love watching trainers from all these different perspectives, from agility to canine trainers to, you know, to sheep dogs have taught me so much about family dog training, behaviorists to veterinarians to animal scientists. So yay on you, because this kind of connection, I think, is where real innovation comes from and excitement and inspiration. Wow. Yeah. I, and I, I second that. The, the book is absolutely amazing. I was enjoying finding out about the the vision, the, the whole vision chapter. Um, the mantis shrimp, was it? There's, I just mad cones and rods. And yeah, my brain, was full of, <laughs> my brain was full of all of that for a whole day. I've been, yeah, I've been absolutely, it's a great, great book. I found it, it by sounds, chance because they were yeah, doing so little abridged um, chapters on Radio 4. Um, oh, nice. yeah so um yeah it was really good really really good so um i wondered 
how important, I mean, obviously we talked a little bit about that in terms of how important it is to be able to bounce ideas off people because it's kind of scary, isn't it, that that there could be a field over there where like with the answers and you might even be in the same city, you know, like, and then you're yeah. over here in another field and, and, the, and the two don't meet, which kind of speaks to this whole want for connectivity and, and a need for it. Um, but I wondered how important do you think it is in terms of if, if our trainers like impact are, are reaching out um, to, to talk to maybe even other trainers locally, how important would you think that would be like for, for bouncing ideas off and things along those lines, speaking to other trainers? Oh, don't you think that's a huge part of what we all get out of conferences mm. is, you know, I learned after going to all kinds of different kinds of conferences from dog training to animal behavior to primate conferences. What I learned um, in graduate school was going to the talks is half of it at most. The other part is talking to colleagues or people with slightly different perspectives um, and and getting and getting sort of out of your own headspace, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, part of it is, frankly, just getting inspired, you know, just that excitement you get when you start bouncing ideas off of people. You know, COVID made that so extra hard when you sort of couldn't get together, but we've all gotten a little better at doing that, you know, in any possible way we can, I think, which is great. Because that kind of, I mean, we know there's research on that kind of connectivity and that kind of interaction really does create innovation and it also creates energy. I mean, that's part of what I get from these kind of conferences, like the kind you're putting on, is energy. I mean, we all can get tired, right? We all can get a little boggled down. And what I learned at conferences is I, I'm, boy, I'm, I'm, uh, I have a very strong boundary. That's the way I'm going to put it. <laughs> is if somebody starts just talking, ain't it awful to me? Isn't it horrible how dog owners say they love their dogs, but they can't, you know, I just, I can't do it. I just like, I don't need that kind of energy suck. I want somebody who's going to teach me something new, who's going to give me energy to keep doing what I'm doing, who's going to support me, make me laugh, remind me why this is important, right? Mm -hmm. So I think both the talks and the interactions between participants are equally important. I love that. I love that. Completely, completely agree. And I think, I, I don't know if, if you both feel the same, but uh, it always seems a bit of a rush at the end or during the lunch to try and get around everybody that you want to say hi to. And, um, so you know, if you have to get on the road because you've got a long journey, you, you miss the end and all sorts. So... I'm hoping, and I'm sure we'll be able to build on it for next year, um, that we've we've maybe got the balance right between enough time to, you know, go and have some time to yourself if you need to, or chat and laugh and meet people in real life that you might have connected with on Facebook, or you might realise we've got two packed members, um, and when we were putting them on the map on the register, we realised they live in the same street. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing so we yes. emailed them both we're like do you know your neighbors <laughs> That's That's yeah. it. it's great it's great to be able to make those links but the best thing of all is that most people that are drawn to us I think are open to those kind of links and want to mm. you know they have a, a, a 
more is more approach to to making um friends <laughs> and uh, professional acquaintances so yeah good on you for supporting that because i just i couldn't agree more it's so important I think as well that there's been a big gap um, for in-person conferences. I know they're, they're, they're coming back now and great. And I think actually Zoom filled that void very, very well. Um, without Where would we be without Zoom, I think, over the last few years for sure. <laughs> but there's we're, we're a social species, aren't we? And Zoom doesn't quite, does just enough, I think, but it doesn't quite... You don't get that connection. I think one. I was listening to something the other day that really um, pricked my ears, as we say, um, and that was about the fact that you you can't you you can't give eye contact on Zoom. So when you're talking to someone, yeah, you're not looking at the camera at the same time. You're looking at the person you're talking to. So it's very it's a very strange kind of way of connecting right. to people. It doesn't feel yeah. as as connected. And 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 we need eye contact, don't we, to to be able to laugh with each other. I mean, I, I can laugh over Zoom as much as anyone, but you get the idea. It's it's that sort of connection that we sort of miss a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, we're talking about other senses, right? Yeah. You know, and I mean, all those other senses, just just seeing people in person, people look different in person, right? Mm -hmm. um, especially with masks off. I mean, I saw a couple of people with masks off and I barely recognize them. It's like, I didn't know your mouth looked like that. <laughs> yeah. my, oh, my... I about that chin. I didn't know. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, you know, we don't talk about it much, but it's relevant. I mean, you know, people do have a scent, you know, like there's a woman I know who always smells like lavender and I'm like always trying to like follow her around. <laughs> <laughs> but the sounds and the scents and, you know, all that sensory input is, is we know is really relevant to your brain and makes your brain record things in a, in, in a um, sort of more intense, important way, important to your brain anyway. So, yeah, so. So Zoom has done, you know, it's done the best it can. Thank you. Like you said, thank heavens for it. I think we'd all, or many of us be like huddled up in a corner, licking our paws, basically. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I gonna, think, go on. There. I think, uh, sorry, I was just going to say about the eye contact thing. I, I so relate to that because, you know, the, the one thing I enjoy about my work the most and, and meeting people from all walks of life with dogs being the commonality is being a warm person that can try and help them where maybe others haven't been able to, even if I haven't got the answers, you know, I, I want people to feel listened to. And I'm doing a lot of remote work still with clients. And I find myself looking at the camera, but yeah. then I'm, I'm missing their, I'm missing their response. You don't see because, them, right? <laughs> yeah. Because I, I want, I want them to really know that I'm caring and I'm listening but then I'm missing all the nuance of them going, hmm, or yeah, <laughs> you know, all the stuff that, yeah, you just can't, you, you can't get unless it's face-to-face. -face. And here's so. the best thing about face-to-face. -face. You do not have to see yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, thank goodness. I, mean, I, know, I, I know we can turn the video off, but, you know, often you just don't. You know, I've yeah. really trained myself. I have a Zoom meditation class, right? There is nothing better at destroying a meditation exercise than sort of looking at you know, <laughs> you know it's like, is my hair? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can see that. I, I, I read a really funny quote from someone. I can't remember who it was. I'll have to remember who it was. But 
they were talking about they realized why why they weren't that relaxed when they went on holiday and, and the reason was that they always take themselves with them whenever they go away. <laughs> It's a great, it's a great point. Well said, right? It's a great line. Yeah. You, can go, you can go absolutely anywhere, but you're always with yourself, no matter where you go. <laughs> so, right, let, let's take a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a left turn here, because you're going to be, and this is a, this, this is a wonderful thing. You're going to be reading some passages or a passage out of one of your. Very, very famous books, I think it's fair enough to say, um, uh, at the conference, uh, which is great. But um, we've been chatting and you are uh, writing, currently writing your first fiction novel. Ooh. Ah. I am. And what a journey. Oh, my goodness. I've been doing it for quite a while. I mean, I started almost five years ago. And yeah, made some progress, but then COVID hit Mm. and I did not have the headspace to work on it. I just, I was there. I'm reminded there was a great cartoon. I wish I knew who did it. It's my favorite cartoon of the COVID time. There's this vast ocean with this horrific storm and the waves are 60 feet high and there's lightning everywhere. And it's just this massive, you know, endless expanse of water and waves and danger. And there's this little tiny rowboat, right? You know, there's this little tiny person in the rowboat, obviously just paddling, trying to stay alive. And the the title is, this would be a great time to work on your novel. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly how I felt. It was like, I'm trying to survive. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to the end of the day. Um, I mean, remember how horrible it was, you know, it was just nightmare and I'm, I'm 73, you know, and I have a bunch of health issues that put me prime category. So, I mean, Mm. we literally just hid out on the farm for a long time. Anyway, so things moved on and I picked it up again and I am about two months from, um, a first draft that I can send to my agent which means if if the agent thinks that has any value whatsoever which she may or may not um it would be at least you know six months of editing and redoing and rewriting and then at least a year before it was published so this is not going to happen in the near future <laughs> but i am having a ball nice. i am having Good. so much fun it is so hard it's you know, writing nonfiction for decades and then switching to fiction. On the one hand, it's like, whoa, I can write anything. You know, I can write whatever I want. And that's the problem. Yeah. When is it going to happen? Who exactly is the protagonist? You know, what voice is it going to be written in? I mean, you have to make everything up. And the chances for going down, you know, a, a side street that that leads to a black hole (laughs) and and then that wasn't enough to go after fiction i decided to write a mystery oh amazing i mean oh yeah that's my that's my bag (laughs) well well this i as it turns out writing mysteries means you really have to know from the get-go the whole storyline right Mm -hmm. and i really struggled with that i can write scenes pretty darn well but sort of 
and I can write nonfiction about, okay, I'm going to talk about, you know, sensory systems. I'm going to talk about teaching your dog to heat, whatever, right? Or our relationship. But, um, but so I needed to figure out a plot. And, and here's, here's the funny part. You'll die laughing, except I think you'll also understand. <laughs> so who's the protagonist going to be? Okay. So I'm writing fiction. I'm writing a mystery. I've never done either one of those things. It, as it turns out, they're very hard. They're very fun, but they're very hard. And so I'm like, okay, who's going to be the protagonist? And then it was like instant, like, write what you know, right? <laughs> so the protagonist tentatively called Maisie at the moment, although I will tell you that will probably change because there's a famous mystery novel with Maisie Dobbs in it. So it probably won't be Maisie, but right now her name is Maisie. Um, just happens to be an animal behaviorist. Shocking. <laughs> Who, surprise, has Border Collie. Oh, <laughs> does she now? Does. <laughs> does. But, but so I'm having a great time. Um, I love, I've become very fond of this character, Maisie. I will tell you it's, well, I will first of all say I am not stupid. So no dog dies because that would have been the stupidest <laughs> thing I've ever for done that. in my life. Yeah. Right? How yeah. stupid. Dr. McConnell killed off a dog. It's yeah. like, sure, yeah. sure, that could happen. <laughs> I wouldn't read it myself. I couldn't. Margie, <laughs> it, it would get you some publicity. It, no, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I don't want that kind of publicity. No, no, no. But, um, but it's, I mean, it's a little dark. I mean, it's a, it's a mystery and there are, I've killed off two people so far. So nice. Yeah, nice. yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> So is writing is writing fiction more do you have more kind of eureka moments where you're like, oh yeah, you could do that? Mm-hmm. Whereas you don't really have that when you're writing nonfiction as no, much. You, you might find a good I paper do. that you can go, oh yeah, that's a good way, or think of a good analogy, but it's not no, as exciting. I, I think there are eureka moments when you're doing nonfiction. I really do. You know, it's like, oh wait, that's a great story. I could use to illustrate mm-hmm. this point, you know? Or wait, those connections, right? I'm making connections I've never made before, you know, like like what motivated the other end of the leash was like dogs, primates, wait, you know, yeah. wait, same, what's different? And really, I've been writing about what's the same and what's different. I mean, all my big nonfiction books have been about that, about, you know, what's the same in general between people and, and as primates and dogs, other end of the leash. And then for the love of a dog, emotions what's yeah. the same what's different mm-hmm. what do we know and then and then a lot of the education of will which is granted a memoir right it's not mm-hmm. fiction it's a memoir but but it's about trauma and how it affects two individuals from two different species right and how mm-hmm. to try and heal that so so um so yeah so there are eureka moments i just had one a few days ago it's like oh i could bring back the ex and then I'll just stop there, right? Oh. oh, oh, I could do that. Oh, so yes, it's great fun. But then there's also like, what do I do now? I, don't <laughs> I, I just have the utmost respect for anyone that can do that kind of world building because it isn't just what goes down on paper, is it? Or on your computer now, I guess. But it's, uh, yeah, it's just having that vastness a whole world that's running in your head can you how do you switch that off as well I, I would be i'd be thinking about that all the time maybe that's the point i don't know but 
Do you wake I, up in the middle of the night going, oh my God, I've got one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yes, yeah. I do. Nice. Yeah, I do. I do. I think about it a lot, but it's a lot nicer than thinking about a lot of the other things we all think about in life, right? Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. So, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. and it's a form of escapism. It's also doing it is one of the few moments I have of real flow. I mean, when I'm doing it, I'm not thinking about anything else, just not anything else, you know? And there aren't a lot of moments in life for most of us that are like that. You know, I love to garden, but when I'm weeding, you know, I'm like, right, thinking about other stuff, right? You know, so meditating, working a sheepdog, right? You really have to concentrate there. And that's mm-hmm. it's got to be the same as, you know, any dog sport, agility, you know, you name it, tracking, mm-hmm. got to really be focused. But writing fiction, as it turns out, is just like all in, all on, you know. Well, oh, I love that. I think uh, we need to make a pledge, Nat, that uh, we, we, we break the rules in a few years' time and we do a Barks on the Bookshelf uh, yes. fiction, special fiction episode for the release. I would love that. Of Trisha's book because, I mean, number one, I mean, I know this is all subject to change, so obviously we're not going to hold you to it. Um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> behaviourist characters, owns Border Collies. I mean, I think the crossover is going to be quite big in the in the, uh, mm-hmm. in the the dog world, right? Oh yeah, I think so. I mean, my my hope is that is that people who aren't who are um so beyond the beyond dog lovers, you know. Mm-hmm. But if dog lovers if dog lovers don't like it, I have just failed completely. You know? oh, sure failed miserably. <laughs> I don't I don't know many um dog trainers that don't like a good sort of uh, I call them murder programs but mystery you know murder mystery type things mm-hmm. I, I, most of my friends that are dog trainers love these kind of shows so it makes complete oh, sense good. complete good, sense good. so good. I, I know we haven't got you for very long but um you did say that you might read us a little bit I'm excited oh, I will and so again this is with the um the warning, yes. the caution, that none of this might be in the book. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think it will, but uh, the, you know the names, you know everything. But um, oh, she's gone serious, everyone. She's putting she's putting the glasses on. on. Here we go. Functional, so I can actually. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I is the animal behaviorist, right? On Wednesday afternoon, I got a call from Catherine, the director of the Southeast Wisconsin Humane Society. They'd picked up a half-dead German shepherd beside the highway, and no one could get near him after he got out of intensive care. I'd done volunteer work for the shelter before, impressed with their skill at working with dogs with behavior problems. Their highly trained employees were having trouble with the dog. I knew the issue was serious. Should probably put him down, Maisie. He's barely alive. He won't eat or drink, and yet he's still dangerous. We just can't figure out how to get through to him. He alternates between being shut down to looking ready to kill anyone who makes eye contact. My staff is overwhelmed with all the dogs that just came in from a hoarding case, and I can't put my volunteers at risk. Is there any way you could come out and volunteer a little more of your time? I didn't want to go. It had been a hard enough week already. On Tuesday, I'd seen a heartbroken couple with a miniature poodle who put a three-inch gash in their five-year-old son's face, a Weimariner with separation anxiety who destroyed an $8,000 couch, and a border collie with eyes as crazy as Jack Nichols in The Shining. This is not how most people envision the life of an applied animal behaviorist. 
oh, I wish I had your job, they'd say when I explain what I do for a living. They seem to imagine me running through fields of daisies with golden retriever puppies. <laughs> More often is sitting in a small room with heart sick clients who love their dog but may not be able to provide the best home for him. Or just as often with dogs whose owners smile obliviously while their dog stares at me, stiff as a statue, like a farm cat watches a mouse. But Catherine and the Humane Society were doing great work, often with too few resources, and I couldn't bring myself to say no. I drove out the next day, a free afternoon I'd reserved for catching up on paperwork. Arriving 45 minutes later at the shelter, dogs were being walked in a field behind the buildings and a few puppies played in the small grassy area fenced off from the parking lot. The German shepherd was in an attached building, curled up in a far corner of the kennel, his head on his back legs. His eyes, his black eyes were open but flat, like a matte photograph. The skin on his face was hollowed out, as if someone had inserted a straw between his skin and his skull and sucked out everything in between. His ears, the semaphore flags of a healthy shepherd, flocked to the side like soggy black tissues. A sign on his kennel said, Bruno, in quotation marks, do not enter. The dog growled, a soft smudge of a noise, when I said, hey, bud. Catherine filled me in as we stood looking into his kennel. No one can get near him, not with chicken or toys. We can't get him to eat or drink. And honestly, I think he's just going to waste away. Okay, I said, how about I just hang out with him for a while? I've cleared the entire afternoon and we can't force anything here. You're a lifesaver, maybe, Maisie. Thanks so much. Catherine turned to go back to her office and said over her shoulder, just let me know if you need anything. I sat down in front of the kennel and got out a book that had sat on my nightstand for months, forcing him to do anything would just cause harm. And by sitting quietly beside this kennel, I hoped he would at least habituate to my presence. A few hours later, my butt was sore from sitting on the floor. My eyes were tired from reading a bad light. And my ears were exhausted from the constant buzz of a fluorescent light about to die. The dog was sound asleep, at least relaxed enough to be snoozing. Could I count that as a victory? It had been quiet since his area was reserved for convalescing animals. But suddenly the door down the hall opened and Chris, a volunteer I worked with before, entered and say, hey, Dr. McBean, good to see you. Chris was six foot two, flaxen haired and corn fed. He had hair you'd call tousled if you liked him and messy if you didn't. He had outsized hands and feet and little tiny ears that looked like they belonged to a person half his size. I always had to stop myself from asking, so what's up with your ears anyway? <laughs> Out of the corner of my eye, I saw the dog's head rise a few inches and his ears prick up as Chris spoke. I motioned for Chris to stop, moving my hand in such a way that Cisco or the dog couldn't see it. I didn't want anything to set him off, but wanted to see how he would react to someone standing farther away. Chris stood in the dimly lit hallway, the building's exhaust fans buzzing quietly above us. The dog stood up slowly, rising up without moving his head or his feet, as if his torso had been lifted up by a puppeteer's strings. He stared at Chris for several seconds, his hindquarters wobbling, while he attempted to stay standing. As if in slow motion, he turned his head and looked at me. This time, his eyes had a spark of light in them. And then slowly, ever so slowly, he sank his hindquarters into a set while turning his head back towards Chris. Still sitting, still in slow motion, he turned his head back towards me and looked straight into my eye. I swear to God, he was trying to tell me something. Hello. <laughs> Oh. oh my God! Da, da, da. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, oh that was amazing. Oh, please tell me you're going to read the audio book yourself if you if I you was, do release it. Yes, I was thinking that. I was thinking that. Oh, that's tricky. They don't usually like you to do that. No. Oh. I learned that. But, you know, but that's a long way. Yeah. That was, so that, was, that was so amazing. And the way that you described immersing yourself in your writing, you just gave me a few minutes of immersing myself in just listening. Oh, good. So thank you so I much. You liked it, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah really I'm, liked it. I am sold 100%. Yeah. 100%. I'm just gutted it's finished. Go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, wow. crash your paws for me. Yes. Yep. No, no, yes. no. 100%. 100%. So, um, I guess we should start wrapping things up a little bit here. Um, did I hear you say at the beginning of the interview, Google-eyed Dupperfish? I made that. I completely made that up. I was just checking that wasn't an actual fish because I would have gone and Googled that. You do realise that. I, I, well, you you know, you never know. You still can, Steve. You it's okay. There might be. Don't let me stop you. <laughs> if, there, if there isn't a fish, there should be one called a goggle-eyed Dupperfish. 100%. <laughs> so um what can i say thank you so so much um for giving us a a, a real moment there as well a proper scoop of listening to uh, yeah just amazing it was just great i honestly and i i think that's gonna at the conference it's gonna i mean obviously you're joining us remotely so um i think we're gonna have a lovely moment of everybody just being completely engaged yeah. which is fantastic and i know a lot of conferences are like that but you're you know if you're just listening and you're not thinking about notes and you're not checking your phone you know it's a whole different experience it's like seeing a film at the cinema rather than at home isn't it oh so, it's um, true. you know when I taught at the university for the first class which was over an hour it was the first class right 150 students you know three credits big big class at University of Wisconsin Madison right big deal and I said Put down your pen, put down your pencil, close your books, put away your phone. All I want you to do is listen. That's mm -hmm. your job is to listen. Mm -hmm. That's and then and then I just introduced sort of the the well, the topic was the science, the biology and philosophy of human animal relationships. Anyway, so yes, just listening is something we don't do very much anymore, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think it's very, very special. Yes. Read me a story, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to read me a story too. Okay. That's a great accent like you do. Everything <laughs> so much smarter. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> well, I take that challenge and I'm going to read you the stupidest thing in the world and you can tell me whether it still sounds smart. <laughs> it will. I, I would, uh, incoming voice note at some stage. Look out for it in your emails. <laughs> amazing well thank you so so much um it's been a bit of pleasure as ever we will 100 percent fly you over um yeah. one day to do all of this in person um because it would just be wonderful just to meet you in person um yeah after all amazing. this time um but yeah um i hope you um have fun in your hot weather out there that we're having fun in our hot weather um, yeah no kidding but thank you so much for having me. It's always such a joy to work with you two. I just, I, I couldn't have more fun. And I'm truly looking forward to your conference. So oh, you. bless you. My pleasure. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. 
Can... We we can't wait, and I'm sure we'll be in touch before then to talk about details and all sorts of stuff. So awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so so much. Oh, um, thank you guys. It was so much fun. I'm so jealous. Melissa's gonna come see you. I know. We'll try and get you, uh, like, if we're all together in the pub, we'll try and get you on the phone. <laughs> if we were all together, if we were actually all of us, the five of us together in a pub, we would hurt ourselves laughing. I, <laughs> yeah, I think so. Get ready. Yeah. Get ready. I'm just <laughs> warning you. One of the funniest people I've ever met, so just get ready. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Without a doubt. I know, right. I know Melissa will love listening to this. Yeah. Bye. All right. Thanks, Trisha. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. At times collide Ourselves divide just like they've always done A spark of life We multiply this ride Has just begun And here at the end of a line the stretches back through all time Time Guided by a primal desire To simply survive Survive You can't keep it down And I can't keep you down